Hi, this is Pearl. I'm your host today from T-Day, and I am so excited that we have Professor Kenneth Brown from the University of Iowa. You know, I recently discovered that Ken is a unique individual with distinguished teaching awards and outstanding academic. He's not only a Google Scholar, but he's also the Associate Dean of the Undergraduate Program in Business at the Henry B. Tippey College of Business at the University of Iowa. He's also the Professor of Department of Management and Organization. Welcome, Ken. Thank you, Pearl. Thanks for having me. Great. So you've written many scholarly publications. I'm excited you agreed to speak to TJ to help us stand on the shoulder of giants, as it were, by gaining a quick glimpse into some of the scientific knowledge you have, including your 12 lecture series on influence, mastering life's most powerful skill. So I was fascinated by your quote because a core element in business success is influence. Your quote went like this. By mastering the underlying mechanisms of influence, you are better prepared to be a transformative force. What's your personal view on influence for affecting positive business outcomes? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I was asked by the, the teaching company, Great Courses, to, uh, to talk about uh, influence and to develop this course. And it was a great journey for me. Um, influence and persuasion has, has been something I've long been fascinated uh, by uh, as, a, as a student as well as now as a, as a professor. Um, uh, as I talk about in the course, I mean, fundamentally, every day we, we interact with other people. Uh, and, and if we want to be successful, we have to find ways to, to make meaningful connections. Uh, with those people, and also to sort of guide them and steer them, uh, you know, in, in ethical and appropriate ways to, to help us accomplish our goals. And then as we become HR managers and leaders and CEOs, um, the, the scope of our uh, influence that we need to have to be successful for our companies and our organizations expands. So we need that skill to successfully uh, survive in a complex world and then to thrive as a manager. Um, we need that skill even more. It's something we exercise every single day. Great. So my next question for you, Ken, is actually a three-part question. This is something that's intriguing and I'm sure would help our listeners. So an organization's direction can be given many labels, vision, mission, purpose, or three examples. Effectively onboarding new employees can be a challenging task for corporations and their HR managers. So here's my question. Are power and influence of an HR manager synonymous during onboarding? And how does influence at an early stage play into successfully introducing new hires to a company's mission and values? And how might you onboard leaders and executives should it be a strategic process?
truly those of the firm. So selection is critical to get the right people in place. But then orientation and onboarding as an ongoing process is critical to make sure that someone that you're bringing in, particularly an outsider, knows the, the, those values and knows the stories associated with those values and, and understands them in such a way that they can be um, expressed and, and espoused and lived out um, in uh, daily management practice. So, um, you know, how, how to do this, I think, is, is a great question. Um, you know, how does influence play into successfully introducing new hires? Well, you know, I think it's absolutely critical in onboarding to view the company as uh, selling to these new employees, um, you know, the value of the company's history and then the value of maintaining rich traditions that are central to the firm's success. Uh, and, and I think you can't do that if orientation is a bunch of paper. Uh, I think you can't do it if orientation is simply, um, uh, you know, one a low-level HR manager um, who's going over benefits information. Uh, I think you really need to begin with who are we as a firm and why does that matter? Um, Rockwell Collins, uh, which is a, a large aviation engineering firm uh, here uh, near University of Iowa and Cedar Rapids, um, uh, talks about, and, and Disney does the same thing, uh, to use another example, if they talk about an orientation, our history, who, who was our founder and why does that matter? What did our founder care about and how do we live out those values in our traditions? Um, I think that's important and I think to do that well, it needs to be done in a storytelling fashion because that's more persuasive. You're more likely to get people to buy into that history and to remember that history if it's done via storytelling. So uh, I just think it's so incredible that onboarding be taken seriously as a strategic process and that influence and persuasion, the idea of convincing people that the history matters and traditions matter and that the mission and values should be lived out. You know, I just think that, that uh, people running onboarding need to understand that and need to carefully design things in such a way that it is influential and people leave excited uh, about the opportunity to be part of something much bigger than themselves. I perfectly agree. You know, I've known, you know, companies where onboarding is just, hey, you know, let me show you where the bathroom is. Oh, here's where the cafeteria is. So I absolutely agree. But Ken, you know, you have a PhD in psychology and you are an expert in managing and design and evaluation motivating leadership development. I, have, I had a conversation on social media last week with a friend. His name is Nash Billamoria. He left a lucrative investment banking career to pursue his passion for accelerating, you know, the movement of business or force. He just left what he was doing well. And now he lives in Barcelona with his wife and two young boys. He believes that core purpose done right is the bridge that can connect. Is purpose a fundamental pillar on successfully onboarding? Is that some checkbox, a fundamental checkbox that needs to be checked that says, why do we care, as my friend Nash suggests? If so, how do you influence a team to express an organization's purpose? Oh, that's such a, it's such a great question. And what an inspiring story. I have, I have a, a friend, actually, who I'll be traveling with uh, and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro with next year who quit investment banking for the same reason. Um, you know, he, he, he did not find his purpose there. Um, and, and he left to found a nonprofit organization, and that's who I'll, I'll be doing this climb with. Um, and I found, you know, your friend's story and my friend's story so inspiring. 
Uh, and and if in onboarding, you know, we really try to connect with the people who are coming into the firm by explaining and using stories to convince them of what the purpose of the firm is. Why do we exist, which to some extent is a mission statement, but, you know, why is that important and how do we live out that mission, which is, is are largely statements of values and, and, and vision. I think if a firm does that, then, and if they do it persuasively and powerfully, then, you know, you might actually witness, uh, you know, lots of people who are in that room getting excited. And I think that's what you want. You don't want them just to know what the benefits are and how to enroll for benefits. You want them excited about the opportunity to be part of something bigger than themselves. Everybody wants to have purpose and meaning. Uh, and because we spend so much of our time at work, um, you know, it's, I think it's really vital that people find purpose and meaning in their work. And one of the, the possible outcomes here, in addition to excitement, is you might actually get someone at the end of, you know, a couple of days of orientation to say, I'm not sure this is a good fit. Um, I'm not sure that now that I better understand the, the nature of the firm and its purpose, I'm not sure I can connect my life's purpose with this firm. And they might quit. And I would actually view that as a positive outcome of a really strongly worded, passionate, uh, influential orientation program or onboarding program that, you know, maybe after a couple of weeks, somebody steps away. And, and that actually is benefit. Uh, it's a positive to that person who wouldn't stay in a situation uh, where they weren't happy and weren't able to find purpose and to the firm, to the company for not having someone like that stick around, even though they weren't a good fit. Uh, true. So, you know, in, the, in your lectures, you've distilled three elements of influence. How might we know influence happened successfully? Oh, this is a, it's a good question. And, and I might actually ask you, if you could, to sort of uh, to break that down for me a little bit. It's, it's, it's hard for me to crystallize. Um, so um, it, maybe you could I, I think I think you were saying that, you know, if you have the person who is hopefully trying to persuade or get buy-in from whoever they're trying to get that buy-in from. So in this instance, it would be new employees. Right. Uh, right. So right. what would be the context? How do you know you had commitment? How do you know you've got the buy-in? How, how do we know? What is, what, tell us about these three elements that, you know, you know how to measure where the influence actually did happen. Got it, got it. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about, and this is pretty consistent with most of the social psychological and management research, I talk about three possible outcomes of, of a particular influence technique. Um, and, and this is the notion that you might get people who are frustrated and angry, they don't want to do it, so you end up with conflict. And obviously that's seldom what you're looking for in an influence attempt. If you're trying to guide behavior, get someone to be on your team, be excited about being part of your company, you don't want to get into an argument with them and engage in conflict. Um, uh, the second is compliance. Um, you know, you may just get people who say, okay, I get it. This is what the firm is all about. I guess I can follow along. Uh, that's not ideal either. That's not what you're looking for in an onboarding session. Uh, and finally, you know, the most preferred outcome is commitment, right? What we would like to see from an influence tactic uh, is, is someone to become committed to um, what we're trying to convince them of or persuade them of. And in the case of onboarding, you know, we would love people to leave committed to the organization, to its history, to its traditions. And if we view onboarding that way, um, not as instilling knowledge, which is important, and it's part of onboarding, but instead establishing commitment to the firm, its traditions, its mission, 
then I think that's a really good starting point for how do we design a good onboarding session. Because commitment is obviously a whole lot more difficult to obtain than just you know, knowledge. Um, uh, and then how do we uh, assess that? How would we measure whether someone is truly committed? Certainly we could ask them a few questions. But part of what we're looking for is behavioral manifestations. We're looking for the extent to which following onboarding, whether people then act in ways that reinforce uh, the, the vision, the mission, the values uh, of the firm. And we should see new employees you know, behaving in ways that suggest that they, they understand what the company is all about. And, and they can do more than just answer basic questions, but they can show in how they interact with people what the core values of the firm are. I'm sure. harder uh, to get commitment than it is to get knowledge. But that, I think, is what strategic onboarding should be all about. Excellent. And I think at that point, um, you know, the HR managers, the supervisors, the managers will have built employees or instilled opinion-forming ambassadors successfully, hopefully for good business outcomes. So to close on this, I have a question for you. Where do you see onboarding and comprehensive immersive experiences in the future and learning and development L&D in general in 2018 and beyond? What's the future of onboarding? Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you today. I'm going to close with just one last thing because I'm really curious. So thank you so much. The takeaway for me here is the three C's. You talked about the conflict, compliance, commitment, and how you might synchronize that and integrate it into onboarding. You know, because new employees, they arrive excited on the job and thirsty for context and a larger purpose. So I'm really grateful and 
super happy that I was able to talk to you about these things today. Can I close with one curious question, though? Please, Carl. Okay, so if influence can be taught, for instance, say, in onboarding, and say, for instance, we were onboarding a sales team, how can we teach the right ethical influence and persuasion? Is that something that could be included in onboarding? Just a quick snippet of what do you think? I think that's such a great question. Um, one of the big emphases in my course is, is, is ethical persuasion and influence um, and, uh, and how we can get to commitment um, uh, by, by making sure that we're being consistent with our values and, and respecting uh, the other person you're trying to influence. Uh, and I think when it comes to sales, I mean, the, the reality is I think we need to be very explicit and practical about this. I think it makes sense to demonstrate and to have uh, the, the salespeople see ethical and unethical approaches. I think it makes sense for the firm to be quite clear about where they view the line with regard to ethicality. Uh, and, and I think it's so critical for uh, every salesperson to be fundamentally honest about the product that they're selling, the service that they're selling. Uh, and, and if a firm is not articulating that from the very beginning, all the way through onboarding and all the way through particularly sales training, you know, I, then, you know, I, I think it's very likely you're going to end up with a salesperson engaging in unethical influence. So it has to be embedded. It has to happen multiple times. And then I think we need to be explicit. We need to have examples of where the ethics was embedded in a very successful, very powerful influence, getting the getting that sales outcome that was desired, but also examples of um, uh, unethical practices so they can see it and they can understand it and they understand why the firm doesn't want to see it happen. Awesome. Thank you so much today for talking to TJ. Thank you, Pearl. I really appreciate it. Okay. Enjoy Iowa. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Take care.